Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We pray that you're encouraged by today's message from our associate pastor, Peter Vischer. Well, we're having a mission Sunday. Um, it's kind of one of those middle Sundays. We're not in a sermon series. We're starting Christmas next Sunday. And so missions is the priority today. I'm going to give you a quick update for anybody who is new today. Uh, Anyone who would like a refresh on what TFH Church is engaged in missionally in the world. So we have two kinds of missions in our church. We have local missions, and then we have global missions. So here at home on a local level, we have the Five Loaves Ministry. So the Five Loaves Ministry is a generous and hardworking group of volunteers who gather food for those in our church and community. We bring in tons of garden produce during the warmer seasons to help people with the rising costs of groceries, which is a reality for so many people. And then, of course, the Five Loaves Ministry is often distributing bread and sometimes eggs from local farmers. It's really special. It's one of our local ministries. Higher Grounds Cafe and Bakery love higher grounds. We have our own cafe on the main street of Mournville, and it's managed by one of our pastors, Rick Melvin. He's very much our community pastor in the heart of Mournville, and he has a team of volunteers who are serving food and beverages to our community. They're also donating a lot of money during the year to different individuals and groups. Higher Grounds is on our serving team application, and so if you want to volunteer at Higher Grounds with baking or soups or sandwiches or whatever it is, you can volunteer. Uh, Fusion Thrift Shop, managed by Jocelyn Hansen, a wonderful lady in our church, and uh, volunteers not only from our church, but from other churches in the community as well. Fusion serves Mournville and the surrounding community with gently worn clothing and household items. You can volunteer at Fusion. Let us know. We would love to get you connected with Jocelyn and her team. How about Walk for Water? Walk for Water is something that we're living out locally, but it has global implications. This church has given well over $10,000 per year now for three years in a row Uh, to build clean water projects in different countries. And so far, we have built water projects in small rural communities in South Africa, Mozambique, and Haiti. And um, thank you for your faithful generosity in supporting those clean water projects. Uh, Locally, we advertise and we support events put forward by the Jessica Martell Foundation, which serves families struggling with the impacts of domestic violence. We have a solid group in our church that's also supporting Teen Challenge, which helps men and women overcome addictions and grow as disciples of Jesus. And we're always sending uh, groups and pastors to their annual golf tournament to raise funds for their treatment center. Um, You're not going to see any logos on the screen for the next couple, but we also have local outreaches like Trunk or Treat during the fall. Uh, You've Been Egged is our new Easter outreach in the spring, and then the TFH Family Festival in the summer. 
And so all of these events are intended to invite people, to compel people to come to church, to experience relationship with God and with his people. And so that is what's happening on a local level here at TFH. Let's look at globally what's happening on the other side of the world. So on a monthly basis, TFH supports King Ministries International. Now, how do we get hooked in with King Ministries International. It's a, it's a cool story. So many years ago, there was a young adult in our church. Her name was Jessica Shen at that time. And the Shen family, I can see Elisa over there, Angela, Mei Ling, they're a part of our church. Jessica went on a mission trip and she met this fiery young American evangelist named Daniel King. Well, Soon after, they got married. Now we have Daniel and Jessica King, and henceforth, TFH is supporting King Ministries International. Um, King Ministries, they travel to many nations of the world. They do massive crusades that lead people to Jesus, but they actually stick around in those countries as well, and they work with pastors, and they make disciples. It's pretty awesome. Sam Ministries, I think it's cool when you, you have pastors actually visiting the missions. Pastor Greg and Pastor Maddie Coppin a couple years ago went and visited Sam Ministries in Mozambique, and they saw this vibrant mission that this church supports on a monthly basis. They're growing crops, they're caring for orphans, they're teaching and releasing pastors. Uh, Josh and Chelsea McManus, I don't know if Josh is here today, but they were also a significant part of Sam Ministries in Mozambique as well, and they saw the impact that your generosity is having in Africa. And that brings us to today, Operation Christmas Child. It is OCC Sunday here at the Father's House. OCC demonstrates God's love to children and their families and shares the good news of Jesus in many nations. And so there you have it. You have a snapshot of missions at the Father's House Church. Now, it's wonderful. Yeah, sure, give him a hand. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's, it's honestly pretty cool. It's cool that this church is not only servicing ministries in the house, like kids and youth and care groups and all those things, but we're reaching out. It's moving out from the church. It's making a difference locally and even on the other side of the world. Now, what does it mean to be missional? What does it mean to be missional? God has a mission for you. He's commissioning you, not just to make a difference in the world. God wants every person in this room to make a difference in their world, in your world. Missions are not just for those in full-time service in other countries. We call those people missionaries. But every follower of Jesus is an ambassador sent by God into their world to love and lead people to Christ. Now, I'm letting you know, I gleaned a few points from this message from another guy. His name is Dr. Tim Keller, and some of this is from a teaching he released in 1992, but it is fresh and relevant and awesome today. We're going to pray, and then we're going to read a portion of John 17. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you that... What is it, 243, 263, I think, boxes were packed in the first service. Thank you, God, for just the generosity of this church. 
Thank you for individuals and people that have a heart to serve and support and be generous. And God, thank you that there's a ripple effect that goes out from TFH into Sturgeon County, God, across our nation and even overseas. Lord, I pray that you would just move us and inspire us today with the incredible effect that this church is having as your spirit moves upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John 17, verses 13 to 19. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. This is the disciples listening in on Jesus praying. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the disciples listening in on Jesus praying? And he wasn't only praying for them, he was praying for you and me. This is what he said. Jesus said to his father, I'm returning to you, and I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so that my people can experience my joy completed in them. Jesus said, I gave them your word, and the godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join in the world's ways, just as I didn't join in the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Jesus prayed, make them holy, consecrated with the truth. And he said, your word is consecrating truth. Now pay attention to this last part. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so they will be truth consecrated in their mission. Verse 18 describes what the Christian mission is all about. The word mission originates from a Latin word that is missio, missio, and Simply what it means is to send. And so when you think about mission, you think about to send. A missionary is sent to show something. Missionaries are ambassadors. They show people the culture and the values and the norms of another nation. And it makes us think about Jesus. Jesus came to show us the culture and the values of God's kingdom. He was sent to save and to sanctify and to make people ready for heaven. Now, here's the problem, kind of the dilemma that we experience. Um, Sometimes there's a strong dislike, or at least it's very uncomfortable, the work that missionaries do. Maybe you've heard a saying that says there's one thing that Christians and non-Christians equally dislike, and that's evangelism, (laughs) right? Christians and non-Christians equally dislike, and that's evangelism. Some of you are rare exceptions to that. I think about Ray and Margot. Ray and Margot love sharing their faith and talking about their faith as often as they can. But by and large, for the most part, it is well proven that nobody enjoys trying to convert other people. And let's be honest, not many people enjoy being converted. Now, whether you're on the giving or receiving end of evangelism and the work of missionaries, let me try to change your perspective. What would you do if you saw somebody with symptoms of a sickness, a terrible disease that you once had, and they were coughing and struggling and they were in pain and it was just affecting every single aspect of their lives? What would you do? Here's what you would do. You would go on mission. You would go on mission. 
you wouldn't be forceful with that person, but you would balance truth and love, and you would try to persuade them that, hey, I once experienced those things. I once had that disease. I once had all of those symptoms in my body, and then I took this medication, and it's making a life-changing difference for me, and it can do the same for you. That's how you share Jesus. It's the same. That's how you share with people their need for a Savior. Mission requires truth and love. If there's no if you have truth but no love, there's no mission. If you have love but you're not willing to share the truth, there's no mission. When you love people and it's intense and you're passionate about them, and especially those in your family that you don't want to see threatened, you go on mission for them. If you think it's narrow-minded to convert somebody, then what you're really saying is, I don't know if my beliefs can make a difference for them. And if that's you, then I would pray that you get a revelation of just how much Christ has done for you and that that would overflow from your life to the people around you. Here's another truth about mission. It's not just followers of Jesus. It's not just religious people who are on mission. Even secular, irreligious people are on a mission. We might disagree on what kind, but we all turn people toward things. Secular people are trying to convert those around them to their atheistic, relativistic, materialistic views and philosophies. And so let's not kid ourselves. Hollywood has missionaries, right? You know, the business world, politicians, these are missionaries. They're propagating messages, and they're trying to convert people to their way of thinking and believing. But as Christians, we listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you water that is so good, that is so refreshing. You'll never be thirsty again. I won't only give you the water, I'll give you the well. It'll be my spirit inside of you producing this life-changing water. And once you've tasted that water, you can never again say that religion is a private thing. <clears throat> so there are three points in this passage about mission, the mission that Jesus is sending us out. The first one that Jesus shows us is the result of mission is joy. The result of mission is is joy. In verse 13, Jesus said, I'm saying these things so that my people can experience joy. What's he talking about? If you read the whole chapter, John 17, Jesus is reflecting on his life and ministry. He says, Father, I brought you glory. I revealed your name. I gave them your words. And now I'm returning to you, Father. My mission is complete. Jesus had joy that came from being obedient to his heavenly Father. We're going to be coming back to Hebrews in the new year, but let me throw you one verse from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 3, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this part. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. Jesus was filled with joy, knowing that through his death and resurrection, he would defeat death forever, and he would have the joy of having you and me in eternity with him one day. And he said, I say these things that they might have the same joy. So here's the reality. Here's something to think about. 
A lack of joy is often due to a lack of mission. A lack of joy is due to a lack of mission. There's a link between joy and being sent. You were built by God to be missional, to be commissioned for something great. I was joking in the first service that now that I have all these kids and whatnot, my kids are starting to come out a little bit more in my sermons. Um, But kids love stories of heroic quests. They love those movies. They love those books. They're so excited to be heroic. Check out this picture of my son, Levi. It's coming up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, Don't mind the toilet in the background. Yeah. This is real life, people. This is it. But this kid, my son Levi, he loves Spider-Man. Spider-Man is just the best. He is swinging from couch to couch in our house. You can barely wash that uniform because he's just wearing it all the time. He loves Spider-Man. But what I want to say about that is, did you know that kids inherently think about their future vocation in terms of mission? Kids think missionally. My daughter, Abria, says... Dad, I'm going to be a pastor and a firefighter. (laughs) Yeah. Saving people from fiery buildings and from the fire of hell. Amen? (laughs) Right? So. (laughs) But none of my kids have ever said to me, Dad, I want to grow up and hate my job. Dad... I want to grow up and I want to push paper in some office and I want to stare at a clock and I just want to long for my day to be over. None of my kids have ever said that to me. My kids, and maybe yours as well, they say things like, I want to change things. I want to make a difference. I want to help people. And when they say that, their eyes light up. You know, their eyes light up because there's joy. And so what happened to that childlike faith and wonder and awe? I said earlier, Christians are not the only people trying to convert others. Over many years, our culture and its ambassadors, its missionaries, began pushing a narrative that said, there is no higher cause than my personal happiness. That's the narrative of our world right now. And gradually, a good and beautiful sense of mission was snuffed out by a lie that says, truth is relative, I'll do what I want, and what I want is to be my own God. That's the message of our world right now. And it wasn't always that way. I know that my parents, and especially my grandparents, they lived with a moral and missional ethic. Most people did in our culture where they said things like, there are causes that are higher than my personal needs, there are causes that are higher than my personal comforts. You just do those things because that's what you do. What could be better than a good name? What could be better than a good reputation? You love, you honor, you uphold your family, your country, your morality. Most people at that time believed in God and revered the Lord, but now, We live in a post-Christian culture, post-Christian. We can't take it for granted anymore that everyone is conscious of God and the Bible and values and norms. The mantra now is nothing is more important than personal individual fulfillment. That's, That's the message being preached in our culture right now. There is no greater mission than personal happiness. Now listen to me, church, that's a lie. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is a lie. 
Because if there's no higher cause than my happiness, then there's nothing to live for, nothing to die for, nothing to have a mission for. It's straight from the pit of hell. And it's ironic because by exaggerating our significance, we live in a day where people have no significance at all. By raising our needs to the highest level, more important than any commitment, cause, or covenant, we have nothing left to sacrifice for, to give for. When we buy into a belief that says, my needs are first, we lose our joy. We lose our joy. Christians are meant to be radicals, to give and sacrifice and do crazy things because the mission is awesome. It's so good. Jesus said, I'm bringing down the life of heaven, and I want you to be a part of my army. I want you to co-labor with me. Mission is necessary for joy. It's even a psychological need. You were built for mission. When you seek to find yourself, you lose yourself. But when you seek to find Christ, then and only then do you find your truest identity. And so my first point was the result of mission is joy. My second one today is the power for mission is an encounter with God. Man, we need to encounter God. We need to encounter him in a transformative, life-changing way. Jesus, so often, he withdrew to a mountain. I'm going to Banff with my wife for a couple days this week. Hopefully, I'm feeling better. Amen. I'm excited about that. But we're retreating to the mountains into the hot tub, and we're going to spend time together and with the Lord. It's going to be awesome. But Jesus spent so much time with his heavenly Father, and he said, as you sent me, Father, so I am sending them. It's Jesus who makes you a man or a woman on mission. There's some pretty cool encounters with God in the Old Testament. Uh, We see that God never pulls people in without also propelling them out. They're, They're going out. In Isaiah 6, a man named Isaiah describes a time when he went to church. And young Isaiah is shocked and traumatized because like some people, the last person he thought he would meet at church was God, right? But it wasn't a ho-hum service. It was a great service. Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. He saw him majestic, beautiful beyond bearing, and he was instantly transformed by this encounter with the living God. When you get before the Lord, all of your insecurities come out. Isaiah is trembling before the Lord, and he said in verse 5, Behold, I am unclean, and I have unclean lips, and I live with a people of unclean lips. Church, there are so many people that are not on mission, and it's because they have paralyzing sins and struggles in their life. But in verse 6, an angel takes a blazing hot altar coal from the altar in the temple, and he places it on Isaiah's lips. And instantly, this insecure guy is healed and forgiven. And when that happens, instantly, after all the self-hatred and self-loathing and self-focus went away, God said to Isaiah in church that day, I need somebody to go to preach to a people who will never listen. Doesn't that sound like a great commission right there? I need you to go and preach to people who will never listen. Doesn't that sound like fun, hard-hearted people? Isaiah says, I need a few days to think about it. No, he didn't say that. He said... Here I am, send me. What happened to Isaiah? He had an encounter with God, 
and instantly he became a man on mission. Abraham in Genesis 12, another really cool Old Testament story. In verse 2 of Genesis 12, Abraham, God says to Abraham, I will make you great and I will bless you. Some people stop there and they say, now that's a religion. (laughs) God, make me great. God, bless me. But before the sentence ends, God says, I will make you a blessing and you will be a blessing to other people. And then God says, and this is me paraphrasing Genesis 12, he says, get out of this country, leave your familiar place, leave your family, get out of your security. I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Get out, go. See, that's, that's the key, church. God, God draws you in to send you out. He never just draws you in to bless you. He draws you in so that you can be a blessing to other people. God is saying, get out. Jesus, probably the best example, was sitting in heaven perfectly secure, but he came and he emptied himself. He made himself vulnerable and he was killed. Jesus is saying, pick up your cross and follow me. No rational person would do that, except for an encounter with the living God. We're supposed to go in the same way as Jesus did. He was a generous servant. He poured out his life. Luke 24, 19, it says that Jesus was mighty and word and deed. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be like him. Christians not only convert people, but they put their wealth and their lives on the line to undo the works of the devil and to bring hope and healing to people. Amen? Hallelujah. Church, I want to encourage you today too man, I love this church. I love this church. I was in morning prayer a couple weeks ago, and I just felt almost emotional because the Holy Spirit was like, this church is making a difference locally and globally. Your consistent commitment to Christ. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. Amen. Hallelujah. But I just felt God's power and pleasure over this church. He was saying the sacrificial service, the generosity, the passionate prayers, the consistency to show up and to worship and to receive the word, and the way that that is spilling out into your families and friendships and work environments, it's making a difference. It is literally changing the atmosphere in Sturgeon County. God is saying, great job, everybody. I'm blessing you. Now get out. (laughs) Go. Go, be a blessing to other people. Let it overflow from your lives. My last point today, what we see in verses 17 to 18 of John 17 is the requirement for effective Christian mission is your personal consecration. It's your personal holiness. It's your personal level of sanctification. Um, In verse 17... Jesus says, make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. And then in verse 18, it says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I'm giving them a mission in the world. And then in verse 19, it says, I'm consecrating myself for their sake, so they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. What you have there, verses 17, 18, 19, is you have mission sandwiched between two verses on consecration. Other translations use the words holiness or sanctification, but mission is sandwiched between these two verses about sanctification. Why is that? 
It's because there's a direct correlation between your health and your ability to bring health to other people. That's why Jesus talks about it. You got to be healthy. You have to be healthy because as you're healthy in your finances, in your relationships and whatnot, there's a boiling over. Naturally, you become missional. You're encountering God. He's changing your life, and that's bubbling over. God's working in your life, and it's spilling out everywhere. Christ in your words, Christ in your responses, Christ in your everyday conversations, in your finances, your time, your relationships. Why do we give? Why do we serve? Why do we pack Christmas shoe boxes? Is it because somebody made you feel guilty? And you just had no choice to give or to serve or be nice to people? The church wants my money again. The church just wants my money. No, it's not it. That's not the narrative at all. It should never be compulsion. It should never be coercion. But it's because you've been cleansed. It's because you've been sanctified. You've been made holy. And so there's just this bubbling over that happens from your life. There's an overflow in everything that you do. There are so many people in our society that they struggle with Christianity. They don't find it compelling. They have intellectual doubts. They have hurts and struggles. For some, it's because they've never been friends with a holy person. You might be the holy person, the sanctified person, the consecrated person that God wants them to be friends with. By all means, let's continue with local and global missions, but man, people of TFH Church ought to be the most loving, generous, servant-hearted people in the county. Mission just overflowing from what's already in your heart. Maybe you say, yeah, Peter, who cares what's in my heart? I'll just invite them to church. They can listen to Pastor Greg's messages, right? You know, even if they do come to church and they listen to my message or another pastor's messages, you know, people people aren't just interested in sermons. They're interested in life. They're interested in living. They're looking at you. They're listening to you. And they're wondering, why are you a Christian? They're watching and wondering, are you kinder than other people? Are you more generous? Can you maintain peace in hard times? Can you face death? Is there a genuineness in you? Are you real? Are you humble? Are you gentle? You're missionaries. You're, you're missionaries. You are. Your wholeness is helping people in their brokenness. Personal consecration is one of the greatest requirements for mission. Amen? Hallelujah. And so we're going to close right now. We're going to pray together. What a different way to think about missions, hey? Not just the, the causes that this church takes up, but the commitment that every individual in this church has to encountering God personally and then allowing that to have a reflection in friendships and family and in all relationships. <clears throat> Some of you may be wondering, why does my life feel tasteless? Why does my life feel joyless? It's probably not that you need a new house, that you need a new spouse, <laughs> that you need a new car. I mean, this is what the world does. They run out and get these things because they're trying to scratch an itch, you know? But it might be because you've got no mission. 
And maybe you've been living for yourself for a long time and you're smothering beneath the weight of small and worthless ambitions. Be like my son Levi, Spider-Man. I'm gonna save the baby in the house, you know? He likes to save the baby in the fire in the house and he runs in and grabs the doll and (laughs) it's, it's pretty awesome. What a champion. You were made for mission. Don't be a consumer Christian. Be a contributor. Be an ambassador. Be a missionary. I went to a church this summer and I loved it. This, this pastor was saying, we don't have members in our church. We have ministers. And I was like, man, that is so good. Don't just be a member. Be a minister of your church. I pray today that the hot love of Christ will touch your lips like a burning coal and that you'll experience his love and forgiveness and healing. And from that place that you'll go, that you'll get out, that you'll be a blessing to the people around you. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.